pandemonium reigns. Yo, friends and family, welcome to pandemonium reigns. My name's Dan. That's my boy Mike. Say hi to people. What up, my people? <laughs> Literally. Hey, hope you guys are recovering from what was an absolute wild week one in the college football world. Uh, I have one word to describe this weekend, Mike. You ready? I'm ready. Pandemonium. Well, I knew it was coming, and it's it's well used, man. What a weekend. He knew it was coming. We have a lot of football to talk and a very short time to do it in. But, hey, wherever you're listening, uh, forgive us for coming at you a little bit later in the week. I wouldn't anticipate that in the coming weeks. I mean, we had a Sunday night game, for crying out loud, and where we are currently sitting, Clemson and um, Georgia Tech kick off in like 15 minutes. So Crazy. We're going to bring this to you uh, hopefully by – no, by Tuesday. Hopefully nothing. I'm not, I'm not a wisher. I'm a deliverer. That's right. <laughs> So let's talk some, let's recap some games, my man. You ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. So let's go back and let's talk Thursday night because Thursday night in itself, aside from Tennessee playing, was, was, was wild. And was. Uh, Pittsburgh and West Virginia got us off to a great start. Pittsburgh winning that game basically on a pick six um, from, from JT Daniels, 38-31 final Pittsburgh Panthers over West Virginia what listen in the college football world Thursday feels like a year ago it really does truly it does so what do you remember <laughs> from this game on Thursday what are the highlights what do we need to point out uh, talk to me a little bit yeah uh you know I expected Pitt to have probably double what they wound up with running the ball um you know I had Narduzzi talking about the way that they passed the ball around last year and wanting to run it more. Um, we've been a little critical of that. It is what it is. He's still kind of out there. Narduzzi's yeah. just, you know, we'll, we may get into some of his comments from today, but something's going on with him. I don't know. But regardless, I expected them to run the ball probably for about double what they did. And I know there were some sacks factored in there, but yeah, not impressed by the pit running game. Uh, Slavis, though, he, he looked pretty good, especially for his first game with all the new. I mean, everything's new. Quarterback, OC, we've talked about it. That was impressive. Um, I'll say this. When that ball slipped through the West Virginia hands uh, receiver there, I, I didn't anticipate that going back to the house because it was a pretty crowded area where he picked it off. And, you know, I kind of feel for West Virginia. That's a tough way to lose a game because, I mean, it was a good pass. It was, it was right there in his hands and just an unfortunate uh, for it to come down to that. Of course, they had the drop near the goal line they're on fourth down late in the game just had you know had every opportunity to win that game so heart goes out to West Virginia a little bit but one thing that I'm sure we'll get to in the coming weeks anyway is I don't know how about, I don't know about yourself but I feel a little bit better about that pit game and a little bit worse about that Florida matchup yeah yeah that is definitely uh in our agenda coming up um I agree with you on on Slovis, and those rushing numbers are going to be a little bit tainted because they're uh, the books are going to have Slovis down for seven carries, negative twenty yards. Oh, that is my other computer talking to me. Uh, forgive forgive us for the technical difficulties. Uh, they're going to put him down for seven carries, negative twenty yards, and in the college football world, those are sacks and NTFLs, but it counts against your total rushing. Uh, Pittsburgh uh, Hammond Jr. 16 carries 74 yards by himself. That's good for a uh, 4.6 yard average. So um, I think they should have handed the ball to him more. 
just uh, so. looking at the stats, right? Yeah. Um, Slovis and himself, 16 for 24. Uh, Hair North of 300 yards, good for 12.8 per completion and a score. JT Daniels threw it a little bit more. He was 23 for 40, 214, two touchdowns and a score. Here's I think here's the here's the number that jumps off the page to me. CJ Donaldson running back for West Virginia, seven carries, 125 yards. Yeah. Hey, hey, Lord Jesus, can that be next week? Please, God, Lord Jesus, six pound, <laughs> eight ounces, baby Lord. Can Jabari Small have seven carries for 125 yards? In the and first Mr. quarter? In the first quarter. And Mr. Jalen Wright, nine carries for 200. I mean, Lord. I, so, obviously, Tennessee fans, we were watching the Tennessee Ball State game, so we didn't get to see this live. But I've since gone back and watched uh, highlights. Seems to me this Donaldson kid is just a pretty physical back. I mean, he had a long uh, of 44 yards, so that's going to be a lump of your carries there. But I do want to end this pit conversation by uh, by saying, so if West Virginia's receivers just find a way to catch some of these balls, I think Pittsburgh comes out on the losing side of this. But unfortunately yeah. for West Virginia, JT Daniels throws it up, hits the receivers right between the numbers, it bounces, and MJ Devonshire from Pitt catches it and then finds a country road. He sure end, did. Um, yes, fi- finds a freaking country dirt road to the end zone. Oh, pun there. I didn't even realize that. Holy smokes. Um, country roads. Take him home. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, I, I think the difference there is is West Virginia basically said, here you go. Here's a, here's a win for you if you would yeah. like it. If you would like it. Uh, remind me, what other games took place on uh, Thursday night? Was there anything else aside from Tennessee Ball State? I believe there was the Penn State-Purdue game, which I pre- predict, uh, predicted Purdue to pull that off. But they were so close. They had every chance to. Um, I didn't admittedly uh, catch as much of this one as I did, of course, of Tennessee and then of Pittsburgh and West Virginia. Um, but I've seen plenty of commentary, plenty of hot takes about Purdue's play calling there late in this game. Yeah. seems like they could have. Made a few tweaks there, probably kept the ball in the hands of one of their backs and Uh, iced that game away. But I'll just full disclosure, I didn't catch nearly as much of that one. Um, Something I did want to mention real quick is Wake Forest without Sam Hartman. Of course, the opponent was VMI, not a Power 5 opponent or, you know, not even a Purdue or a West Virginia for that matter. But their quarterback did come in. Uh, Looks like Griffiths there for the Demon Deacons. 21-29, 288, three touchdowns, no picks. So, decent job there in Sam Hartman's absence. But, yeah, I mean, you had uh, Missouri and La Tech. That game was closer, I'm sure, than the fans there in Columbia, Missouri, wanted it to be for a long time. Missouri and La Tech. Didn't see an ounce of that game. I do remember you and I were talking at one point, and La Tech was, oh, my gosh, within seven points at halftime. Am I wrong about that? I think Missouri did pull away a little bit there in that second quarter. They held a 3 nothing lead, La Tech, that is, going into the second. And then uh, Missouri was able to, to get through to the end zone, and then I believe they turned around with a pick six right after their offense found the end zone, and they never trailed again. But uh, still a little bit of a slow start there for the Brady Cook era at uh, starting quarterback. Brady Cook era right there in Missouri. <laughs> okay. All right whatever uh yeah. so uh the, the, for the fans out there i will say this law tech is just not a pushover we played a pushover ball state was bad yes. um law tech I'm, I'm not gonna 
categorize them as 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 a pushover. I think they're actually a pretty uh, solid team. You know what? I think that's gonna uh, <clears throat> segue well into this next conversation. Let's talk Georgia and Oregon. Uh, Oregon, where are you at, bro? <laughs> uh, and pushover. Th- that did not look like a team that was coached by someone on Georgia's staff last year. I mean, to my naked eye, um, you know a little bit more about ball than I do for the listeners out there. Just to fill you in, Dan knows a little bit more of the X's and O's side of things than I do. I'm your hot take guy. I'm your angry <laughs> rant guy, which we'll get into. Trust me, I'm locked and ready to go. But, uh, I mean, what was the deal with some of those just trying to get to the outside against Georgia's defense – and, I mean, I know Bo Nix has his limitations, and I know he's had his good moments, don't get me wrong. But it kept feeling like, I mean, they, w- they would have a little bit of momentum, and then they would try to attack the edges of that Georgia defense and uh-huh. never gain a yard. I yeah. mean, it's like, did they scout Georgia at all? Did Lanning watch that team a year ago? You know, that, those are my questions coming away from that game. Yeah, I was I was hoping to softball pitch this to you and hoping you would come in a little pissed off uh, <laughs> because, okay, so I'm, I'm going to let the cat out of the bag here. So Michael and I are texting during the Georgia-Oregon game, and my boy is hot. I, I'm telling you guys, I could – I mean, I think – here's my take, and, and this is where I'm, I'm wrong. Don't get me wrong. I'm not correct in this, but I think that I could have called a better game if I was on the <laughs> Oregon staff than those guys who have been with those players all offseason, all spring camp, fall camp. I'm, I'm pretty sure I could have called a better game. I mean, just some of the decisions that they made really had me scratching my head. Did not know what to think about some of those decisions. Yeah, I, I became very quickly more interested in the Arkansas-Cincinnati game uh, when I realized pretty early that this one over was this one was over. I mean, they went into half with Georgia up 24-7, to but it felt like Georgia was leading – 56 to seven, even at absolutely or oh, three, right? Three, yeah, for uh, yeah. yeah, sorry, three, three, three. Uh, forgive me. So, um, a, a couple thoughts here on this on this Georgia Oregon game. Bo Nix was bad, 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 bad. So, his numbers 21 for 37, 137 yards, good for <laughs> 4.7 per completion, and two picks. And listen, y'all. You don't have to be a rocket scientist or some kind of football genius to figure out how bad his interceptions were. They were so bad. Uh, and the one that ESPN kept highlighting, I'm, I'm going, what is, what is he looking at? What is he seeing? Yeah. Uh, because it's like, it's like uh, I forget his name, Christopher Smith for uh, Georgia bites way before the ball is out of Bo Nix's hand. Yeah. So anyway, so uh, it, some additional numbers here on this one, and then we're gonna we're gonna look at this a little bit through more of a, a Georgia lens. Aside from Bo Nix, because Bo Nix, I don't know if you know this or not, he led the team in rushing. Oh gosh, I did not realize that. Eight carries, thirty-seven yards. Wow. Eight carries, thirty-seven yards. Wow. Uh, Sean Dollars, who I'm going to assume is uh, a running back on the team, four carries, thirty-three yards. His average is fantastic. 8.3 with a long of 12. So I'm going, hand it to him more. But every time I'm seeing Oregon on defense, if, if Bo Nix is not dropping back to pass because he did have 37 attempts, they're trying to stretch Georgia's defense sideline to sideline. And uh, I don't know if Oregon knows this, but Jordan Davis isn't there anymore. Attack the middle. And they were having – I'm not going to say they were 
rocking Georgia up the middle, but they were having mild success. I mean, they were driving the ball around midfield before they would stall in those early drives, attacking the middle or at least attacking the, you know, the edges of the defensive front there for Georgia. But then you want to go and attack the sideline and the boundaries. And I mean, those, those secondary players for Georgia coming up, making those tackles for loss. I mean, how many times do you need to see that to realize that's not working? You don't have the speed. You're not even getting a hat on those guys. And they're just coming up and blowing the play up before it even breaks the line of scrimmage. Yeah. It, it was it was bad. Do we know who the offensive coordinator is for Oregon? Do we know who that is? Um, I'm gonna miss his first name, but his last name's Dillingham. He's a Dillingham. he's a man that was on staff there at Auburn during Bo Nix's time as the quarterback. And the broadcast mentioned that's part of what led Nix to choose Oregon from the portal. But I mean, it, here's what I, I know. I said to you in a text: There's a lot of SEC blood on that Oregon staff. You got sure. Lanning. You got Dillingham. You got Bo Nix, who was already 0-3 against Georgia. Not that it was easy games to win, but he's already 0-3. They've seen a lot of this Georgia team, and they just kept playing right into their hands, it felt like. Yeah, yeah. I I just don't get it, man. Yeah, Dillingham sounds like that name sounds like he has perfected the peppermint tea at the Billmore Estates. (laughs) Yes, And, and I don't know if you were how long you were tuned into that game, but they kept showing this cam that was super zoomed in on him in the box, and his mouth is just going 90 miles a second and he's just jabbering and spitting and i'm like dude i would be pulling my hair out but it's like you guys are just self-inflicted here man stop shooting (laughs) yourselves in the foot oh gosh all right well uh the ducks didn't quack at all (laughs) i'll tell you who did though listen when we when when ryan phillips joined us to talk georgia we we hit on this a little bit stetson bennett had a day he did have a day now, in 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 argument to that, and I don't know every Georgia fan that I've talked to over the weekend, which you listeners out there, I'm about forty minutes to an hour from Athens, so I have a lot of uh, Georgia fans that I go to church with. Anyway, beside the point, they would tell you that uh, Oregon was bad. They were getting turned around, uh, gaps were not being filled, coverages were blown. It, it was bad. But listen, Stetson Bennett makes this play where he gets pressured. And he does this little one-two step. Cotton Eye Joe turns around and finds a wide open receiver. That dude balled out. 25 for 31, 368 yards and two scores. Good for a 97.3 QBR. Listen, our non-football listeners out there, that's high. That's good. That's really, really good. He balled. He sure enough did. He balled. Let's talk the running backs for uh, – for a second, Kendall Milton, Milton, excuse me, uh, eight for 50, one score. We've got Kenny McIntosh, five for 18 and a score. Lad McConkey, two for 16 and a rushing score. Here's what bumps, uh, kind of jumps off to me. Uh, just, just having seen several moments of this game, it's here's, here's a, here's a stat that just absolutely jumps off to me. So, Let's set this up with a question. Who do you think, and I'm probably giving this away with the question, who do you think led Georgia in receiving? Uh, I'll tell you the truth. I'm looking at it right now. Oh, cheater. If I wasn't looking at it, I would have told you it was Ladd McConkey because I know they got the ball to him on a couple of end rounds and runs. I mean, like you just mentioned, he ran the ball, well, just two times. But they kept making sure that he had his moments to get, get his hands on the ball. And I would have told you, without any hesitation, that Lab McConkie led the team in receiving. He probably had around 10 receptions. But 
just to go ahead and break the ice, Kenny McIntosh leading the team in receiving. And, you know, here's something else. I, I don't recall seeing Georgia run just an absurd amount of screens or throws at the line of scrimmage. Yes, there were some of those tops, but, I mean, nine receptions for McIntosh, 117 yards. Yeah. That, that will bode well for his football future. I mean, that's what the NFL is looking for these days. They want you to be able to do it all. Yep. They don't want to take the, take you off the field for a receiving back, a third down back. They want you to do it all. That will bode well for his NFL futures. Not that he was any doubt that he could probably play in the league, but that will bode well for him in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's just a stat that jumps off the page to me. Uh, I want to assume, if I didn't see the game, that, that Stetson Bennett was Charlie Checkdown, but he wasn't. I mean, he was mm-hmm. putting, putting the ball in the air downfield. But happened to find Kenny McIntosh nine times. Here's another stat that jumps off to me. Don't look. Don't cheat, okay? Close your laptop. How many sacks did Georgia have? Ooh, okay. I'm not, I'm not looking at that. I'm, I'm still looking at Georgia receiving numbers for what it's worth. Okay. Man, you know, I'll, I'll, I will say just in the time that I spent watching that game, because we were flipping around here at the Walker residence a little bit as well, um, that, yes, Nix was pressured quite a bit, but I don't recall them getting him down a lot. Um, but just, just an offhand guess, I'll say they got him four times. Four times? Four sacks? That's, that's my guess. I promise I'm not looking. You could not be more wrong. Wow. That would be that would be giving this Georgia defense a credit. None. Zip. None. None. Okay. Not a not a not a not a single sack registered okay. uh, for the Georgia defense. And only three tackles for loss. Okay. All right. That that is surprising. Absolutely. Um, but like I said, I don't recall them getting too, you know, getting him down a lot. Right. Yeah, they pressured him, but it seems like he was throwing it away or throwing picks or, <laughs> you know, checking it down for a negative pass play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it was either way, it was ugly. And I want to say that Georgia did what they were supposed to do. But going into this, I don't know that we would have said that. I can't even remember yeah. what we predicted going into the weekend because after watching it going, oh, crap, this is so bad. So it erases any kind of memory I had yeah. before uh, going into this weekend. Anyway, Georgia takes care of business. So does Alabama. Don't want to spend a lot of time here. I don't know that many people in the world saw this game unless you <laughs> were an Alabama fan. Alabama State rops Utah State, which, again, listeners, Utah State, good team. Good, good Mountain West Conference team. I'm pretty sure Absolutely. they're actually defending champions of their conference, but just got waxed by uh, the Alabama Crimson Tide. Um, let's see. Let's move on. Let's talk – Here's here's this is let's just get juicy. I'm ready for it. We can stop wasting our time with this other stuff. Let's talk Florida and Utah. Because, because you're an angry individual. Yes, I am. That's me. <laughs> so again, Michael and I are texting during the Florida game, as we always do, and my boy is hot. <laughs> hot. Yeah. Um, you know, if you guys listened in to to our podcast last week talking about these upcoming games. Um, I told you that my fear and my pessimism was starting to set in for Florida. Um, I think I predicted a, a close win for Florida. I don't remember offhand what I said. And sure enough, Florida wins this game by three. And worst of all, Anthony Richardson looks a little bit superhuman in parts of this game. Sure does. Uh, you know, moments where Utah was able to get in his face and take away those running lanes – you know, he looked human. He, yeah. he truly did. Um, you know, a couple of risky throws, a couple of moments where he had to throw it away. 
or just check it down. But yeah. he looked good. He looked far better than I wanted him to look. Um, I will say this. Offensively, outside of Anthony Richardson, I wasn't blown away. Uh, yes, there were good moments. The okay. the the transfer from, from Louisiana that came with Napier, um, Montreal Johnson Jr., the uh -huh. man has vision. Yes, he does. He's a, he's a young back that has good vision. Um, but outside of, you know, him and Richardson, not a ton that worried me about Florida, but they're enough to beat a team that's in a second year of a pretty big rebuild like Tennessee. They're, they're probably good enough to beat Kentucky this coming week. Yes, we'll get into that, but they certainly present some problems if you're not in your lanes, if you're not containing his, his running ability. Yes, he can throw it, but was he, fan he was fantastic running the ball. He was fantastic. Uh, the numbers say that he was 17 for 24 for just a buck 68 throwing the ball. No scores, no picks. However, he was 11 for 106 and three scores uh, running the ball. I would imagine going forward, especially this week, uh, we'll have an upcoming episode talking about it, but I can, if I'm Mark Stoops in Kentucky, I'm, I'm loading the box. I am 100% loading the box. I'll tell you this is why. Um, and, and I'm not trying to take away our content from, from what we're going to talk about in this upcoming slate of games. But just to jump into their receiving numbers, you had the transfer from Arizona State, Ricky Pearsall, four receptions, 67 yards. Yeah, that's a healthy 16.8 per reception. Um, and he looked good. He's been, he had an injury in fall camp. He's obviously bounced back. He looked fine against that Utah defense. Mm -hmm. um, their second leading receiver, just 41 yards on six receptions. I'm, I'm not worried about those receivers taking the top off. Sure. I'm worried about those receivers after, you know, the, the yards after the catch because they didn't have a ton of opportunities to throw it deep, and obviously they didn't do much of that. The long reception for Pearsall was 23 yards. Yeah. So keep it in front of you. Make sure you, you, get your, you have a crowd of defenders coming once the catch is made, but you have to take away those running lanes. I mean, that play where Richardson scampers down the left side, yeah. that, that will, that's going to cost me some sleep in the next three weeks for sure. I mean, there's just no way it doesn't. <laughs> well, he is he is a uh, special runner. I'm not ready to call the guy Cam Newton no. uh, by any stretch of the means. However, listen, Florida came into this game unranked, got a win over a top-10 opponent. Listen, y'all, I, I know Utah is coming out of the Pac-12, but that's a good Utah team. Yep. A, lot, a, lot of, a lot of possibilities for uh, them to end up in the college football playoff. I don't know how realistic that is now. Yeah. They probably needed that Florida win. Uh, but Cameron Rising is a baller at quarterback for Utah. And Tavion Thomas for Utah, big, physical, 23 carries, 115 yards, a score. And uh, I tell you what, man, it felt like uh, like 1998 a little bit. They were under center sure every time we turned around. Utah is yeah. like, listen, we think that our line is better than yours. We're going to line up and we're going to run it. And they did. And, and they weren't afraid. If, if they just got two or three yards on a run play, they didn't panic. They stayed with it. Yeah. They knew that they would do that again and be facing third and four or five or less. Yeah. And they picked up a number of those third downs. Yes, they, they were did. very efficient offensively. Both teams were, were going under center, or in Florida's case, sometimes the pistol, but a uh -huh. very big front, you know, two tight ends or more. Um, and I mean, it was a vintage football game. I would love to see the alternate universe where rising doesn't try to fit that ball in there in the end zone. I mean, that's just a tight window. Um, I, I do wonder about his target a little bit. It looked like he was already down 
by the time that yeah. the ball was picked off there by the Florida linebacker, I believe Bernie got it. Uh-huh. Um, so I'd like to see some more, some more shots of that. And heck, I would love to see some replay reviews on floor, on Utah's drive where they got stuffed or they were called down short of the goal line on fourth and goal. But yeah, I just, I don't understand some of the play calls there again. Obviously I think I belong in a press box somewhere or excuse me, in a coach's <laughs> box somewhere, but I don't love their, their, their play calls there at the end, but they, they didn't have enough to, to take Florida down in the swamp. They did not, and and I'm looking at the team sets here. It looks like they really went toe to toe, twenty five to twenty three first downs, eight eight for thirteen, seven for twelve on third downs. Uh, total yards are are very close. Uh, the only thing that's really different here is total passing: two hundred sixteen for Utah, and one hundred and sixty eight for uh, Florida. But anyways, uh, rushing is very similar. Penalties a little bit of difference there. Time of possession. Uh, just about a five-minute difference. I, I just loved and appreciated Utah's like, listen, I don't, I don't care who you are. We are who we are. We're going to line up and we're going to run it. Those dudes are scrappy. I've said this several episodes ago. That is not a Utah team that I want to play. No. As much as I hate to say this, props to Florida uh, on, on a good win. Yeah. On a good win in Gainesville. I hope to see – the rest of the conference should under, understand this. I hope to see Florida make a trip out to Utah. Uh, I don't know if this is a home-and-home home series, uh, but it seems like Florida never leaves their daggum state. Go Especially play Utah. early non-conference. They just sit at home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, let's move on. I know you've got something to say about South Carolina. Boy, do I ever. Um, <laughs> and I wish I wish I had his, his – I wish we could play the video of, of Shane Beamer and Swag Daddy over there who thinks he's just this and that. Um, talking about, I know there have been teams in this conference who have played Georgia State and aren't feeling what we're feeling right now coming off this field of the wind, whatever he said, yeah. whatever he said. South Carolina, to sum it up real quick, walks away with a 35-14 win over Georgia State. Um, this is, I believe, Georgia State led in the third quarter, 14-12, to 12, mm-hmm. before a couple of, I want to say, return touchdowns or special team touchdowns for the Gamecocks uh, Beamer ball coming through in true fashion, but it was a close game into the second half and South Carolina pulls away in the end. And you got Shane Beamer bragging about his team beating Georgia state. I can't believe he didn't mention what kind of shoes he was wearing. (laughs) All right. So South Carolina rushing, uh, going to go ahead and give you this spoiler right here. Negative 12 yards for Spencer Rattler. He's credited with four carries for minus 12 yards. I'm assuming that's three sacks, uh, four sacks, excuse me. If you take away those yards lost by Rattler, South Carolina ran the ball for 91 yards against Georgia State. Mm. The best average from any one of their ball carriers was their tight end, Jaheim Bell. He's a good tight end. Okay. He's a good ball carrier for that matter. They've used him in this role before. Seven carries, 39 yards, 5.6 per attempt for Jaheim Bell. You want to go over to Spencer Rattler. He threw the ball 37 times, completed 23 passes for 227 yards, one touchdown, and two picks against Georgia State. Mm. And I've been told all offseason that this is a different Spencer Rattler. This is a different South Carolina team. They just loaded up in the transfer portal. Uh, I mean, this game doesn't prove anything for me. 35-14 over Georgia State? Are you kidding? (laughs) I'm with you, bro. Uh, listen, it, it feels like Shane Beamer is Dabo 2.0. But it's Dabo, worse. 
because I can't stand this team that he's on. I can't stand it, man. I mean, seriously, your leading rusher is your tight end with 39 rush yards. Your leading receiver, he did haul in 88 yards uh, receiving. Their second leading receiver is someone that they're very excited about, a James Madison transfer, Antoine Wells Jr. He had 1,000-plus yards last year at James Madison, and he hauled in 55 receiving yards in this game. But I've got – I'm going to go ahead and spoil one for you, okay? okay. Arkansas, if, if South Carolina plays that way, week two against Arkansas, they're going to get waxed. Yeah. They're going to get absolutely drugged. They might get shut out. Yeah. That's how much I think of Arkansas, and that's how little I think of South Carolina. And your goofball coach is out here bragging about a win over Georgia State. And I know that Tennessee lost to Georgia State. We're not going to go down that road. That's Jeremy Pruitt. That's what Jeremy Pruitt was good for. Three and seven season, three, uh, excuse me, three and seven win seasons and a loss to Georgia State. But you bragging about a win over Georgia State, my friend. It's been multiple years since that happened. You need to let it go and you need to worry about fixing your team. Let's put that, let's put that comment into perspective. When we lost to Georgia State, that was pre-COVID. Donald pre-COVID. Trump. Donald Trump was still our president. Yeah, now, I mean, oh, now Gorontano was our quarterback for what feels like the entire 2010s. However, yeah. that I mean, that was light years ago. Uh, so uh, you know what? I'm in, in a way, I'm kind of glad he said it because I'm hoping Hopple's like, listen, I wasn't here for that, but let's slap that on the locker room. Let's for do any, it for any dudes. Do we? I mean, I'm sure we do, uh, but off the cuff for any dudes who were here in 2019, listen, go ahead and and slap that up for some bulletin board uh, material. All right. Now, do it, please. If I were to tell you that uh, Ohio State, you're right, right. If I were to tell you, listen, hey, uh, Mike, I know you didn't see the game. We're just, we know you did, but beside the point, we're setting up the question. Let's say you didn't see the game, and I told you that Ohio State only scored 21 points. That Ohio State only scored 21 points. Are you, are you telling me that Notre Dame wins that game? Probably. I'm telling you that they did. If, yeah. if if I if I was uh you know in a coma for the for the time that, that game was played, I wake yes. up and you tell me that Ohio State scored 21 points. I'm telling you that Notre Dame won that game. They might have won it 22 to 21, but I'm telling you that <laughs> CJ Stroud didn't play. He was out. Something was up. He pulled yeah. his toenail. I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Dude, what a game. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um I, I don't I don't know that I, that I think that Notre Dame is very good. Yeah, uh, I, I, could, I don't know that I could tell you a single player that they have. I, I know that their quarterback, no, I'm not racist, but I'm pretty sure he's Asian, um, <laughs> which, hey, man, go light it up, bro. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I like Marcus Freeman. If I'm if I'm a high school kid coming out to play college football, I, I'm considering Marcus Freeman. I don't really know that I care where he's at. Yeah. Uh, that's a dude that I want to play for. Uh, Especially with his comments after that game. He, he basically shot down any chance of a moral victory. Good. I'm not. I'm not here to love losing or lose close games, but I especially do not want my coach relishing in a moral victory, man. So Good. yeah, Marcus Good. Freeman looks like a solid, solid hire. I think he's going to have a lot of success there. Not that they're that they're foreign to a lot of success in Notre Dame, but yeah, yeah, really nice game, really nice game. And and again, I, I'm uninterested in either team, but that is a definite moral victory if you are a Notre Dame fan. I mean, absolutely. That final score was 21 to 10 in Ohio State's favor. The the score at half was 10-7 in Notre Dame's favor. Yeah. Notre, Dame, Notre Dame gets shut out in the second half. Uh, Ohio State only goes to, to, to put two more scores on the board. Now, now let's – we've uh, I believe we say what the, the best one for last uh, – the yeah. l- last one here. 
listen, this is why I love college football. LSU and Florida State put on a dang product yes, uh, they last did. night in Louisiana. And I have so many comments about this game. Uh, first, talk to me very quickly, a minute here, just your thoughts on LSU. Man, um, I, goodness, the first thing that I can't li- leave unsaid is Keyshawn Boutte, man. Uh, I don't Absent. know. I don't, I don't know if I'm to be upset at Boutte. I don't know if it's somehow on that staff. But, dude, if, if the first quarter has passed and I'm the head coach of LSU and he's got less than five targets, he's going to get a couple carries in that moment because he needs the ball in his hands. He's a stud. Yeah. But, you know, obviously there were moments where he, was, he looked not bought in. He looked very frustrated. I know that there's been uproar today about him deleting LSU material from his social media. Yep. Not a good look. Not a good look at all. Uh, but that's the biggest thing for me is how do you not force Kayshawn Boutte the ball? I mean, seriously, you, you force him the ball. You probably win that game. You probably should anyway. You, you have a kick blocked. You have an extra point blocked. Mm. You muff two punts. And you still find yourself with a chance to win that game, much in part to FSU's prevent defense there in the end. Yeah. But, wow, what a football game. And I'm, I'm glad with the result. I'm certainly glad to see Florida State give them a loss. So I think that Brian Kelly is about the scum of the earth, and it, and after left after last night, I have to say you might be an idiot as well. Yeah, find a way to get him the ball. I, yeah, I, I, the the kid is a baller. Figure it out. However, instead, what they what they asked uh, of their team was, hey, let's go. Let's ask Jaden Daniels to win it for us. Yep. Which I'm not saying he's not good enough. I mean, the kid balled out twenty six for thirty five, two hundred nine yards, two scores, ran hundred fourteen rushing. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, did did all the things. And but I tell you this though, like just look, well, looking at the uh, opposite side of that same coin, Florida State's defense is is a bit nasty. It I is. know. I don't know that I would have probably told you at the beginning of the season that uh, hey, put them on our schedule. Yeah, not now. No, I'm good. Uh, yeah. No, no, not now. Uh, not to mention Jordan Travis. Uh, you called him a little baller. We'll give, <laughs> we'll give him a little bit more credit than that. Yeah, I think he deserves I think it. He's got some Johnny Menzel esque type things to him. Listen, I'm not making a comparison, but he does. No. He can flash some brilliance. The dude is yes. a baller. The way he found time uh, to extend plays and then find an open receiver. Uh, now, don't get me wrong. I mean, he wasn't perfect. Uh, which that being said, if or excuse me, once Florida State punts this ball in the closing minutes and LSU muffs the punt, Florida State gets within, I believe, the – I think it was two, a yard. A yard. I think they were on the one. Somebody, dear Lord, somebody has to be smart enough to say, a toss? No, 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 no. We need to run a high percentage play. Why in the world would you run a toss in that situation? Because the worst case scenario, tell me if I'm wrong, dude. Tell me if I'm wrong. Worst case we'll scenario do. is you chew, you chew a little bit of clock here or you force LSU to use their timeouts and you kick a field goal and you make it a two-score game. 100%. Where LSU has to drive twice. I mean, I know that LSU lost this game because of a field goal, but the, the probability of, of them of Florida State driving making, the field. Well, the probability of Florida State making a field goal here to make it to this game is, is a high chance. Absolutely. So, so that's – I'm going – if I'm Jordan Travis, I'm like, uh, whoa, a toss? What? Uh, why? <laughs> why? No, 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 no. 
a gap dive here do we have a fullback on is, it, is there a fullback in the house can I, and there certainly was right, like fullback, yeah. fullback go for a touchdown earlier in the game. Well, it was a linebacker converted fullback, oh, but excuse me, but yes, but yes, you are, you are right. Needless to say, LSU drives the field of a, a, a very time consuming review of whether he was inbounds, out of bounds. He was inbounds. It was just ruled incorrectly. However, here's my thought. If that uh, is called correctly on the field, LSU is now rushing to get uh, the next playoff, which probably pushes everything, creates a lot of urgency and a lot of frantic, and you probably don't get a score there to probably not to end that game. So, um, uh, any any other thoughts here on on Florida State LSU? One other thought, real quick, is Mr. Wilson, Ontario Wilson, FSU receiver number eighty. Boy, I like that guy. He went up and saved Travis on that on that trick play that they ran for a touchdown, their first touchdown of the game, and then made a beautiful one-handed grab there later in the game at the end, on the other end zone. Yeah, looks like a stud, man. And 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 they they got they grabbed some really nice transfers. Yeah, uh, costly loss for LSU losing their defensive end Mason Smith on a celebration of all things. Really feel for mm. the kid, but man, just what a game! What yeah. a treat of a game. Florida State LSU gave us freaking everything that uh, every college football fan wants in a game. Let me tell you how good this game was, Mike. Let's hear it. My wife was interested. That's strong. I mean, that's (laughs) really strong, man. Really strong. It's really strong. Hey, it's funny you say that because we're about to bring something new to the fans. we got a new segment we're going to be dropping to you guys every week. Brought to you by Jameis Winston, the strong performance of the week. I said, are you strong? They said, I'm strong. You strong? I said, we strong, man. Strong performance of the week where we highlight one player, one position group, one team, whoever was the strongest of week one. Mike, who you got? Who is your strong performer of the week? Well, as you know, and as our listeners are going to know, it's going to pay me to say this. I have to swallow my pride a little bit to say this. But I'm going to go with that Georgia defense. Um, Expected Georgia to win. All of our projections, though, have been Oregon scoring 17, 21 points. And Georgia said, no, you're not getting the end zone. Um, We're going to make you look silly. Part of it, like we talked about, Oregon self-inflicted a bit. But that Georgia defense, man, they look good. They look like they didn't miss much of a beat. We'll see how good Oregon is. We'll see how good that defense is over the year. But I didn't expect them to do exactly what they did to Oregon. So I'm going to go to the Georgia defense. That's fair because uh, just looking at the spread here going into the week, it was Georgia minus 17, and boy, did they do more than cover. Double. They double covered, man. My goodness gracious, good Lord Jesus almighty. Anyway, yeah. uh, so I, I had two, but I, I ended up narrowing it down to one. I'll tell you the one that I almost went with. I almost just went with Old Dominion, period. Oh, yes. Old Dominion pulling off yet another upset over Virginia Tech. What is this, the second in five years, four years? Three, four, five years, yeah. Listen, some things just shouldn't happen. It just... They sure shouldn't. It just shouldn't happen. And that's one of them. (laughs) And that is one of them. Uh, Very quickly, before I give you my my answer here, are you under the impression that a Power 5 school should always have their way with a group of 5 schools? In the most part... 
That is my expectation. You have your anomalies. You have your bad power five teams out there. I mean, down seasons happen. Hate to break it to you, Georgia and Alabama fans. Down seasons happen. Look at LSU. But, I mean, in general, they should handle a, a group of five or worse team. Which, I mean, you said it. They should handle, but this is not what North Carolina did, nor is it what North Carolina State did. Also, also gave my almost almost gave my strong performer of the week to ECU because boy they went toe to toe with NC State, but I narrowed it down to one and gosh it was just it was just too easy for me. I felt like the writing was on the wall. I'm giving my strong performer of the week to the Florida State special teams. Love it, I love it. The Florida State special teams. Now listen, I know that LSU or Florida State didn't have anything to do with the muffing of the punt. But they sure did have everything to do with not one but two field goals blocked. Not one but two. Absolutely. You listen, I, I see a lot of high school ball every week. And every week I see a lot of kids quit on uh, the point after attempt. All right? Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the, the attempt after the touchdown. Don't quit on that play, and Florida State is the reason why. It was Absolutely. the difference in the game. Uh, I don't know who it was. I thought it was Verse at first, but it, it wasn't. Not even a jersey number I recognize, uh, but I'm also not that familiar with uh, Florida State's football roster. But to, to, to say, you know what, we're going to end the game right here. And you know what? Shout out to freaking Mike Norvell for sticking it into the face of I'm gonna go on the internet and say it. The scumbag that is Brian Kelly. I think I like a, it. I think he's a scumbag. I think I'm glad you a, went there. I think he is too. I think he's a bag of dirt. All right. Yeah. And and especially credit to that Florida State team not quitting in that moment after giving up that drive. Yep. And like you just said, a lot of teams mellowed in on the point after Florida State's been through it over over Norvell's tenure. Over yeah. the 10 years prior to that, they've had some rough years. Yeah. They didn't quit. You yeah. love to see it. Absolutely. Uh, expect a Florida State uh, for them to be on the rise uh, this season. They're 2-0. They're 2-0. I mean, They have the tools to make to make some, some noise in that ACC. I am going to go ahead and stand behind my upset, of, upset prediction of picking Florida State to beat Clemson. Now, Clemson is on television right now. I have no idea what's going on with them, Georgia Tech. I can sure make a prediction. Uh, but that's neither here nor there, which brings us to the end of our time on this episode. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with us. We are, Mike, we're still growing, bro. We're, we're doing it. <laughs> I, I don't know we're what's doing this thing. I don't know what's happening. We're still growing and it's all because of you guys. So thank you to our listeners. Um, you could, you could choose to listen to anybody on your drive home or two from work, uh, as you work out in the yard, as you, you know, mow the grass for funsies. I don't know what you're doing. But you're listening to Pandemonium Reigns. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Make sure that, you, that you're following us on YouTube, that you're sharing with your friends, that you're subscribing on whatever podcast platform that you listen on because we are almost on all of them. Apple Podcasts and Spotify are our main gigs. They seem to love us the most. Uh, but you can find us on Samsung Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, this podcast, that podcast platform. I don't know. There, there's so many out there. Like I've learned so much by like starting a podcast like there's a lot to this absolutely but hey maybe you're out there and you're thinking i want to start a podcast you know what pandemonium reigns is here to tell you you should you, you should, should do, do it. it you should do it and don't ask us for help because we don't know what the heck we're doing so, <laughs> hey speaking of that i wanted to say this 
you guys could go find any opinion to listen to. And this is really all we are. We are a bunch of opinions. And Mike is getting a little bit more angry, which is what I'm wanting him to do. I want him to bring that along. Um, but our opinion means absolutely nothing. But you're choosing to listen to it. And we love we you appreciate it. for it. We love you for it. Anyway, with that said, this is the end of today's episode. Uh, going to be coming at you guys uh, probably in the same day or at least later in the week with a Tennessee Ball State recap and going into week two predictions. Predictions? Predictions. Hey, combining words. Just efficiency, baby. <laughs> Let's go. It's called efficiency. That's why you're my best friend. Hey, we love you guys. We hope you have a great week, and we cannot wait to meet you again for week two. See y'all later. Have a fantastic day. See you guys. Pandemonium reigns.